Hooray, Planet Hollywood. There may have been one in your neighborhood. Costumes from your favorite entertainment in a nice arrangement, but the menu is misunderstood. Go on and have some lunch, chicken-coated Captain Crunch. Hooray, Planet Hollywood. We cover Planet Hollywood this week on This Was a Thing. Hey, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. This week, we're going to be talking about everyone's second favorite themed restaurant, Planet Hollywood. Now, this was a thing because people want to feel like they're living a Hollywood fantasy. And with Planet Hollywood, you don't even have to leave Orlando to feel it. Now, Planet Hollywood was giant in the 90s, it, uh, but just like a lot of the stars in Hollywood back then, Planet Hollywood fell almost as quickly as it rose. Why do you got to come after Bridget Fonda like that? I love movie memorabilia. I, I mean, I still think it's cool to see iconic costumes and props, and I'm in my mid-30s now. I feel like my fascination was helped by Planet Hollywood, though, and I got to go to a few when I was younger, and it really did fascinate me. Did you ever go to Planet Hollywood? No, I never. Actually, I've never been to a Planet really? Hollywood. Really? Nope. Oh, my God, yeah. Nope. I've probably been to, like, four or five, and they would kind of swap out, but there'd be, like, the new stuff, and be like, oh, my God. So, wait, so, like, they would put... What, like a movie set so, piece so or a costume it, piece? So you know Hard Rock. You've been to a Hard Rock? Yes, I've been to a Hard so Rock. So you know how they have guitars yeah. and stuff signed. So Planet Hollywood would have like a jacket someone wore in a movie and they oh, would have so, a picture of oh, the person wearing cool. it okay. or like a prop from a movie. So oh, it's okay. like, okay, this is the book that the person was reading in it or like a, oh, that's really a gun cool. or a blaster or something like that. Now, I was totally that random kid that would walk around looking at all the different random props and costumes, much to the chagrin of diners that had the misfortune of sitting underneath the pair of shoes that Alex Winter wore in Bill and Ted's bogus journey. So, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. What but, booth is that? Uh, Table it, 7? Yeah, it was... I think it was 7B. I would like to sit in 7B, please. Uh, now, first and foremost, it was a restaurant, but I don't really remember anything about the food. But there was that one time I asked for a side of ranch and they brought me blue cheese instead. But besides that, not a really a memorable menu. Thank you so much for sharing such a triggering moment in your life. I did find out that Planet Hollywood did have a Captain Crunch coated chicken. That sounds amazing. I know. I did thought... you eat it? No, I no, I don't remember that. I read that in an article that I uh, that I used for this. So. Ah, damn it. Now I'm uh, like, okay. But what they lacked in food, they made up for in merchandise that sweet sweet merch now you never went to a planet hollywood are you familiar with any of the planet hollywood merchandise i'm sure you saw the jackets or the, the hats. jacket like that at letterman's jacket i remember being a big thing they had bomber jackets too those were huge letterman jackets those were big in the 90s i too. love dave letterman oh my god now the main article i'm citing for this is the rise and fall of planet hollywood written by kate story it was published in esquire in 2021 
Now, before we get into Planet Hollywood, let's just talk about themed restaurants for a second as a preamble, if you will. Theming and restaurants have gone hand in hand for longer than you might think. In the late 1800s, some restaurants began theming themselves <laughs> to stand out with the competition. Come down to Dysentery Diner. Well, in the 1890s, there were at least three separate themed nightclubs operating in Paris. One themed after death, one themed after hell, and one themed after heaven. Sounds like a lot of fun. And for some reason, I imagine that the Heaven Nightclub was like the seediest of all of them. Oh, of course. Fast forward to the early 1900s and you start seeing restaurants built in the shapes of everyday objects. So that was kind of a theme, like cars, which were still in their infancy at that time. And animals, you know, I'm sure people will be like, what do you think they serve at that cow restaurant over there? Did you ever go to the restaurant that was shaped like a bidet? <laughs> a little fishy. In the 1920s, you started seeing novelty style restaurants built in Hollywood in that area. Uh, I'm looking at you, Brown Derby. Hey, this is a novelty restaurant of the 1920s. Here's the novelty. Our cooks wash their hands after they go to the bathroom. <laughs> what a novelty, folks. Now, the Brown Derby is shaped like a... What do you think it's shaped like? The Brown Derby, I know, is shaped like a Brown Derby hat. Very good. The Brown Derby was built in 26. A few years after that, in 1931, Clifton's Cafe opened in Los Angeles, and it was a cafeteria-style eatery. It had exotic, kitschy decor, which included multi-story, fake redwood tree stuff, lions, neon plants, and a petrified wood bar. After Clifton's, which I see, I never went to Clifton's, so oh, I never it was had kitschy, yeah. a man named, you're going to like this name, Ernest Raymond Beaumont Gant, <laughs> uh, wanted to open up his own themed bar. Him and his neighbor went around collecting old fishing nets, driftwood, and other random things from local beaches. With his bounty of beach-themed items, he put up bamboo, added some masks that reminded him of the South Pacific, and boom! You get what's considered the first ever tiki bar, Dean's, uh, Don's Beachcomber. Oh, that's really cool. Opened in 1933 after Prohibition. This place was a giant hit. Now, Ernest Raymond Beaumont Gant decided to change his name to Don Beach because of the popularity. Uh, a former L.A. City Councilman said he changed it to distance himself from his past career of a bootlegger. Oh! The very next year, 1934, Victor Jules Bergeron Jr. opened another tiki bar in Oakland, California called Trader Vic's. Oh, yes, yep. Trader Vic's. Yep. It too was extremely popular and had a friendly rivalry with Don's Beachcomber. Both places claimed to have invented the Mai Tai. Really? Yep. Now, of course, we have places like Medieval Times where you can enjoy a joust while eating a chicken without silverware while you drink your dragon's blood. Tomato soup. <laughs> I'll tell you, that was fun. Or, of course, Hard Rock Cafe, which had everything you could think of that might be signed by your favorite musician. Uh, hey, look, there's Axl Rose's jockstrap. Ew. There's, of course, Rainforest Cafe. I'm sure you've been to a Rainforest oh, Cafe. yes, where every 15 minutes the fucking rhino, like... Yes. Charges you? Yes, I have been to a Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> there's every child's favorite themed restaurant. Chuck E. Cheese, oh, yes. which Wikipedia describes as a rodent-themed restaurant. <laughs> a rodent casino for juveniles, <laughs> I think is how it's building zagats. Now, those are just some of the examples of themes that actually worked, themes that customers liked. Now, what else do customers like? Well, what about movies? I love a movie. What about celebrities? I love celebrities. Now, the whole idea for Planet Hollywood started in 1987. Brian Kester was working at the production company Taft Barish. He was reading the script for the live-action Flintstones film, and in the script there was a section that is set in the town of Holly Rock. You get it? Holly Rock. Instead of Hollywood. Holly Rock. Holly Rock. 
because it's Stone Age. While he was reading the script, Kester found an idea. This is from the uh, Esquire article. This should be a real thing, he thought, like Hard Rock Cafe, but instead of music, it will focus on Hollywood. We'll bring Hollywood to different parts of the world. Kestner, a handsome 20-something who dabbled in modeling, grew up on a farm in Virginia. For him, stars had always been people you saw on screen, not at the next table. He launched into a near sprint to get to the office of his boss, producer Keith Barish. He looked at me like I was from outer space, Kestner says. Barish's business was film, not restaurants. He produced movies like Sophie's Choice, The Monster Squad, and Running Man, amongst others. But he liked the idea. He said, this works. This works. For a year and a half, Keith Barish started to work out his idea. He met with plenty of restaurant veterans, and he had a working title of Cafe Hollywood. Now, let's say for the Planet Hollywood movie that we're casting, it's going to be Charles Grodin with a little bit of hairspray is going to be Keith Barish. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Barish would end up meeting Robert Earl. Robert Earl was a successful Englishman. Michael Caine with a Caesar haircut is going to be playing Robert Earl in the movie. Great. Got yeah. it. Uh, he doesn't really necessarily look like him, but I get the vibe. Robert Earl had many successful themed restaurants. He opened his first medieval themed restaurant in 1972. And with its success, he opened three more themed restaurants. The Cockney Club, Shakespeare's Tavern. And the talk of London. All of these restaurants were in England, but he felt that America was a better market for themed restaurants. And boy, was he right. He is correct. Uh, now, he attempted to sell concepts to people developing Epcot at Disney World, but that didn't work out. But what he did work out was Robert Earl discovering the Orlando market. Now, he would open several Wild West and medieval-themed restaurants in that area, including another Shakespeare's Tavern. He grew his business to the point where he had 70 restaurants, and in 1987, Earl merged his company, President Entertainment, with Pleasurama, PLC, which is a London-based leisure company. The merger made Robert Earl a cold $63 million from merging his company with that. Smart man. Yeah. Once merged, he was tasked with overlooking the purchase of the Hard Rock Cafe, and he became became the brand CEO and grew the company substantially in only five years. And they went from seven restaurants to 22 restaurants. Holy shit. I was a Hard Rock-aholic. Like, I like, <laughs> if there was a city with a Hard Rock, I was there. They would end up selling the Hard Rock brand to Rank Group, which is a gambling company. And with the success running themed restaurants, Robert Earl was the perfect person to make the pipe dream of Hollywood-themed eatery a reality. Mm. Earl wanted celebrity partners to help make the concept flashy and exciting. In the 80s and 90s, action films were bigger oh than God, ever. Oh my God, yes. Indiana Jones, Batman, Rocky. There was no bigger action star than future governor of California. Gray Davis. <laughs> Exactly. Gray Davis. Gavin Newsom. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold is back for this one. Luckily, Keith Barish had worked with him on a film, uh, The Running Man, so he already knew him. Barish went to the set of Terminator 2 Judgment Day on Valentine's Day, and he told him the idea. Arnold agreed immediately. I always liked cooking a little bit. I'm not an expert in cooking. Um, and I always liked the idea of, uh, uh, you know, preparing good meals and uh, the idea of having a restaurant. And this is why... Uh, when I was asked to be part of this restaurant uh, chain by Robert Earl and Keith Barish, um, I thought it was a terrific idea to get into a new business, a new challenge. Yeah. And uh, do we do we see you in a little apron? Pardon me. Do you wear a little apron in the kitchen? No, no, I just go into with my uh, world gym clothes. Next up was Bruce Willis, who was just happy to be involved. Now, Die Hard 2 recently opened, and it was success, so he was hot at the time. He even offered uh, for his blues band, The Accelerators, to play at restaurant openings. Sure. See, 
They were very lucky to have two of the biggest names in Hollywood on board, obviously. That's when Sylvester Stallone came along. Rambo! Yeah, he told Larry King in 1993 that he begged to be a part of it. They saw me outside on my knees saying, please. That's how Larry King met his seventh wife, by the way. (laughs) Sean! A few years later, Demi Moore, Bruce's wife, got on board. Arnold, Sly, Bruce, and Demi. Now that is celebrity in the early 90s, if there's ever celebrity in the early 90s. That is the 90s. Yeah, exactly. They each received nice shares of the company to make things a little sweeter. One of the things Planet Hollywood has become famous for is its collection of movie memorabilia. Each Planet Hollywood location is like a museum within a funhouse. And as you might expect, the Planet Hollywood in Beverly Hills has to be the champion of them all. Now, that was Planet Hollywood investor Demi Moore talking about what she just dumped a ton of money into. Now, if you're going to have a restaurant themed like Hollywood, you're going to need to have cool and recognizable pieces of Hollywood memorabilia, right? Yes. Now, today, famous movie props and costumes can be auctioned off for a lot of money. And if those props or costumes were in a major movie or involved with an icon, it was big bucks. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, props weren't as popular. Instead of a versed movie historian that could pull props, Keith Barish had one of his assistants just go around and try to find whatever he could with no experience in curation. Evan Todd did what he could to find the right items to zhuzh up the place. Now, this is from the Esquire article. Todd went to the studios to ask for donations. Some only would lend items, demanding them right back whenever they wanted, and he bought items that went up for auction, bidding against private collectors. He dug around in musty attics, damp garages, secondhand shops. He found the ships from Ben-Hur in the middle of a Nebraska cornfield. The axe Jack Nicholson wielded in the Shining, still caked in fake blood, was buried in the backyard of the garden shed of the guy who worked on the film. We asked what he wanted for it. Todd told the Los Angeles Times in 1995, and he said, well, I'll need another axe. So that was an easy deal. So they're getting all the stuff to go inside and dazzle their guests, but they still needed an actual location. They found a location on 57th Street. Now, is that prime real estate? In New York? Yeah, 57th. Yeah, in the 90s? Yeah. To decorate everything that wasn't a proper costume, they brought in Anton First, and he had just won an Academy Award for designing Gotham City for Tim Burton's Batman in 1989. Now, he thought they were uh, kidding at first, Anton First, <laughs> but when he realized they were for real, he was intrigued by the idea of a tribute to film. They also built a screening room underneath the building that would end up hosting uh, very exclusive movie nights. Ooh la la. Now, besides the cost of building the fancy screening room, the restaurant ended up costing $8 million. They paid uh, very fine attention to detail. I'm talking palm trees through the dining room. That's so cal. They even sold the idea of celebrity handprints and cement from Grauman's Chinese Theater. Hollywood was being brought straight to the big apple. Yeah. Now, a restaurant couldn't be a restaurant without food. Now, don't worry. They turned to their celebrity investors for some ideas. Arnold was insistent that his mother's strudel recipe was on the menu. This is Sylvester Stallone talking to British talk show host Michael Aspel about why he would invest in a themed restaurant. None of you fellas is short of a dollar, so why are you doing this? Mmm. Greed. Yeah? <laughs> Just kidding. Well, it's sort of greed. Now, actually, uh, what it is is, uh, They thought 
And we all thought that if we can get involved, like what they did with uh, something with the Hard Rock and other places throughout, you know, they've had in, in Vegas, there's always these concept places that it would be interesting, it would be fun. And, you know, it, it's nice not to just be making films all the time to, like, venture out and, and deal with real people. And that was it. Uh, we had no idea that it would be so successful. Now, they had to get their name out there. They had to create a buzz. Bobby Zaram, who was a very successful at PR, and he also claims to have invented the I Love New York campaign. Okay. He sent out free Planet Hollywood t-shirts to celebrity. Now, do you you remember the iconic Planet Hollywood logo, the blue planet with the stars yes. bursting out of it, Planet Hollywood just off center and bright red? Now, Madonna was seen wearing a shirt on a jog. New York City Mayor David Dinkins was in the hospital, and Zaram sent him a custom Planet Hollywood robe. And don't worry... George and Barbara Bush got custom robes, too, and I'm hoping they're proudly on display at the H.W. Presidential Library. Can somebody who lives in Austin let me know that, please? Is it in Austin? I think it is in Austin. All right, so let's get to opening night of the first restaurant. October 22nd, 1991 is officially opening night, First Planet Hollywood. In New York. New York. 57th Street was blocked off of all traffic except for limos. <laughs> so Hollywood. Now, it's a who's who event. Wesley Snipes, Don Johnson, and Melanie Griffith, which would mean they had to leave Dakota Johnson at home with a babysitter. Glenn Close, Anna Nicole Smith, Debbie Gibson, Cher, Chris Farley, Chris Rock, Christian Slater. You like fashion? I know you like fashion. Isaac Mizrahi, Mark Jacobs, Donna Karen, all present. Elton John and Donatella Versace arrived together. Elton in a purple suit with matching hat, of course. Donald Trump and Marla Maples were also a new couple. Donald wearing a turtleneck, which I do not think he can get away with 30 years later. I don't think he could have gotten away with a turtleneck then. No. But yeah, Arnold was tossing out those fashionable T-shirts from the stage while Bruce and his band, the Accelerators, plays that sweet, sweet harmonica-driven blues rock. Now that is 90s. That is literally like if somebody was like, think of the 90s right now, Arnold Schwarzenegger throwing out shirts, denim, and blues. Blues was so popular. Now, this is from the Esquire article. The next day, the New York Times rolled out the welcome wagon. For the last 10 years, we had people yammering away about food as art and wagging fingers about diet and the real basic truth about food got lost. Food is supposed to be fun. American Gourmet co-author Michael Stern told the Times about the Planet Hollywood launch. There are thousands of people ready to eat peanut butter again. <laughs> there are millions of people who want to have some fun. Now, it looked like they had a blockbuster on their hands. Now, Robert Earl and Keith Barish each look back on these early days a little bit differently. This is from Esquire. I didn't know if there'd be one or ten restaurants, Barish says. I certainly never thought it would be a worldwide phenomenon. No one could have planned what it became. Now, Earl says it was, in fact, exactly what he planned, also from Esquire. I always thought it would be the size that it became because... That was my world, he tells me matter-of-factly. That's all I did. Food people in large numbers, visitors to a city, locals in a city sell merchandise. I'm made for that business. We don't need this. We're going to go to Planet Indie Film. It's just paper plates, man. And if you all want to pitch in for like a pizza, that'd be cool. We are looking to get a fryer. Your waitress will be Parker Posey. <laughs> Do you smell that? I'm sorry. It was, it was that double beef and cheddar. No, the smell of love in the air. Now, I'm pretty sure that's double beef and cheddar, buddy. Will you stop? It's February, which means that it's Valentine's month. That's right. I said month. And any healthy relationship celebrates Valentine's Day for the entire month. And what's the best gift to give that loved one? How about some exclusive 
access. Now that's sexy. Sorry, I had something in my throat. I am talking Patreon access here, folks. You can tell your love that you got them the old Lucy level. Yeah, that's right. For only $5 a month, you can gain access to so much exclusive content. It's not even funny. Easy. The content is funny. Yeah, sorry. It's uh, it's the amount of funny content you get isn't funny. That's right. Funny content for a sexy Valentine's Day. I got you this Patreon access for Valentine's Day. I said I wanted chocolate. Oh, boy. Not everything was peachy, per se. Now, so Robert Earl brought his themed restaurant expertise to Planet Hollywood, and he learned that from his time at Hard Rock Cafe. And the problem was that Earl was still technically working for Hard Rock at the time. Hard Rock co-founder Peter Morton filed a lawsuit seeking damages against Earl and Planet Hollywood chain. Morton accused them of stealing trade secrets and creating a chain similar to Hard Rock Cafe, but with substantially lower quality. End quote. Catty. Meow. Now, Earl called the lawsuit a real a real bloodbath at the time. It was settled out of court for an undisclosed sum. Now, more and more entertainment people were starting to get involved, and not just the celebs. Agents, lawyers were getting in on the action, receiving shares, racking up those precious, precious air miles. And if you were in, you were in. Openings got more elaborate. They would rent out entire hotels, clear out all the rooms. This happened in Minneapolis and London. There were pre-parties, party parties, after parties, after after parties. Emilio and Gloria Estefan hosted a large party that served paella before the uh, Miami restaurant opening, while Patrick Swayze served up ribs at his ranch when the Dallas location opened. So they're they're branching out to major cities. Yep, they're going. Yeah, they're just going out, and you know, people are hosting. If they have a pad that can go there, boom. We, they wow. were just going, going, going. Uh, people just wanted to be involved. Now, initially, they offered shares in the company to get celebrities interested, and it got to a point where celebrities were just asking to be involved. No shares needed. It was more important to be a part of the in crowd. Oh, interesting. And it's not like you were required to show up to the events either from Esquire. They never said that you have to show up in so many states, but everyone I could, I did, says Tom Arnold, who received shares. My second wife was on her way back from an event, and she flew back with George Clooney. He got the call when he found out he was Batman on the plane. Uh, He was saying, I am Batman. There were so many celebrities, it became like high school. You got to hang out with the cool kids. Now, we covered that Batman in season one, Batman and Robin. So that excitement for George Clooney getting Batman probably was washed away in a couple months. And that screening room in New York that they built was becoming a go-to destination once all these other restaurants were opening and New York was still staying popular because of the screening room. They would have a Sunday movie night and there there was only room for about 25 or so VIPs to watch movie. And instead of popcorns, they were served carved turkey and roast beef. And this is before it was a fad to eat full meals during a movie. Oh, wow. For the Las Vegas Planet Hollywood opening, Whoopi Goldberg arrived being carried like Cleopatra. Steven Seagal arrived on an elephant. And they were going more international now, too. I mentioned London earlier. They were also expanded to Paris, Tel Aviv, and Moscow. Planet Hollywood was becoming so popular, SNL even did a sketch when Sylvester Stallone hosted. Jim Brewer and Tracy Morgan played two excited fans that ran into him at the restaurant. Oh, funny. I don't mean this in a gay way. No, no, no. But you're my idol! <laughs> Thank you. Dude, I cannot even believe that I'm talking to you, I man. I can't believe it myself. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be right back. Wait till my friend no, no, sees no, you. No, here, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be here. Ah! Rambo! <laughs> you better than Gummy, damn it! 
wait till I tell my wife who I saw. Rambo! Oh, no, 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 come on. Oh, man! Oh, yo, I love when you jumped out that tree and cut that pig. <laughs> you should see how my wife cooked chitlins. Oh, really? Well, thank you, but really very much. <laughs> and I'm sure that had to have been so true to reality, too, like whenever they were at the restaurants and stuff. Oh, sure. Now, they were opening restaurants everywhere, but one of the major markets they still hadn't was... Hollywood. Hollywood, exactly. Well, good news, because on September 17th, 1995, Planet Hollywood opened on Rodeo Drive. Oh, shit. Nothing says Rodeo Drive like Planet Hollywood. Now, it was such a big event that cops shut down the street and ABC television, ABC aired a special called Planet Hollywood Comes Home. (laughs) Like Lassie. Yeah, exactly. Don't touch the dial. We are in control of your television. Four years ago, Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, Demi Moore, and myself, we got together to create a unique tribute to movies. From Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. Yellow Hollywood, keep it up. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Demi Moore, Sylvester Stallone, and Bruce Willis are your hosts as Planet Hollywood comes home. It's just fabulous. It's stupendous. It's colossal. It's uh, gigantic. Oh, and Sinbad. Wow. Sin, well, Sinbad is the host, like the actual host throughout. Like he's doing the red carpet they stuff. They spared no expense no, on this exactly. one. Exactly. 95 Sinbad was hot. Now, I can't imagine a major network airing something like this now for like a themed restaurant. Like this is on ABC. It feels like an E-Channel yeah, it, special. Yeah, but it's ABC. I don't know. It just that boggled my mind. Now, this is my favorite clip from the special. It's. Miss Oprah Winfrey on the red carpet. Now, Oprah was pretty big at this point. I like the Oscars, but only better. It's like the Oscars, only better. Imagine Oprah showing up to a Planet Hollywood opening now and saying it's like the Oscars, only better. Man, please go home. (laughs) Now, after the smoke had cleared from the openings and all the roads opened back up, Planet Hollywood kind of just started to become just like every other restaurant that had a life-size statue of a battle-damaged Terminator. This is from Esquire. The openings were a hot ticket, but only on the opening night, only on the mm. private screening nights, only on a specific party night. That was it. And you went there to see the stars, says ex-gossip columnist, Hey. What? Yeah, Hey. It was not El Morocco. It isn't the store club. It isn't Elaine's. It it's isn't... not even Morocco. <laughs> it isn't Cipriani or 21. It wasn't a restaurant where people went to eat. It wasn't Studio 54 where you go every night at midnight. Everyone in the world was at the back bar at Studio 54. It was never on my list of drop-bys. It was a photo op. No one's going to start doing lines on the red carpet when you got Entertainment Tonight and hard copy there. Now, by 1993, Zaram had left the company. He says, there was no class still in it. There was no class in it? There was no class still in it. I brought class to it. He says, that sounds like a very egotistical thing to say, but it's a fact. I don't remember ever having a lot of class, says Hay. I just remember the food got worse and worse and worse until it really became inedible. And if you were going to go there for an event, you ate before because you you could never eat anything. So that Captain Crunch coated chicken apparently was... uh, I would still eat that. In April 1996, uh, Planet Hollywood went public. You know, why not? It traded 22.6 million shares, going for as high as $32.12. It was apparently the busiest day ever for a NASDAQ offering. So did it sound like I had any idea what I was talking about there? Yeah, very authoritative. Perfect. Okay, good. Now, Robert Earl was even named one of Time Magazine's most influential people in America in 1997. So, I mean, Planet Hollywood was still on the rise. 
fund manager Neil Hawkinson told the LA Times, it has a great sex appeal and may not last. These things always go public when they're at their absolute best and usually get worse from there. Well, it seems like Mr. Neil Hawkinson seems to be a soothsayer because he was on to something. Now, Keith Bear said it was a bad year. It was a bad time. It was a mistake. I put unnecessary pressure on the company to grow to a quarterly basis. It was never meant to be that. Now, a problem with opening a chain restaurant is that once you're already in the major cities, how else do you really grow from there? By the end of 1996, Vanity Fair reported that Planet Hollywood's profits from the first half of the year were down $4 million from $12.7 million the year before. Now, I'm not versed in business by any means, but I don't think that's very good to be down $8.7 million. There was also new restaurants opening up trying to see if they could copy what Planet Hollywood could do. There was Country Star, had Reba McIntyre, Clint Black, Vince Gill, and Wynonna Judd, Fashion Cafe, had the backing of supermodels like Naomi Campbell, Elmick Fearson and Claudia Schiffer. Nothing was on the menu there. <laughs> Just cigarettes. Dive was an underwater themed restaurant that had Steven Spielberg's backing. Yes, I went to they Dive. submarine sandwiches. Did you go to Dive? I did. How was it? Oh, okay. The walls had like portholes with water okay. in it, so it kind of looked like you were submerged. Yeah. Okay. The food was okay. Oh, and they would yell like dive every 30 minutes and then it would look like you were going deeper under the water. Oh, that's cool. Now, luckily, Robert Earl thought it would be a good idea for himself to open another themed restaurant. You know, there's all this competition. So why not himself do it? Enter All-Star Cafe. It was a sports theme. This place had Shaq, Andre Agassi and Joe Montana. And I guess the first time Tiger Woods ever won a Masters, he went to like the opening of one of the All-Star Cafe. So like that helped bring oh, wow. a lot of stuff to it. Earl even decided to open up an ice cream shop called Cool Planet, and this place got Whoopi Goldberg because... She's a cool cat. Exactly. Now, all this couldn't stop the decline of Planet Hollywood, though, from Esquire. Schwarzenegger suggested leaning into the merchandise, inspired by how Tom Ford had transformed Gucci. <laughs> he told Barish and Earl, you've got to get the guy like that to design for Planet Hollywood. Arnold Schwarzenegger, fashion plate. Now, the fourth quarter of 1997 saw a $40 million loss. $40 million in one quarter. In 1998, they had losses of $244 million. Why Why was it that it was decreasing? Is it one of those things like you just go, well, why? I don't know why. I think it was just a tourist thing and, you know, like people, I think it, once it was hot and stuff, there's so many other things to do and, you know, it was hot, hot, hot and you saw so much about it, but then just started going downhill. The food didn't stay as good and like people just didn't want to go to it just kind of got over looking at mem movie memorabilia and it's like if you don't get new memorabilia and stuff and flash it up what's the point of going again? did they not cycle I think things through over time it didn't i think they stopped really caring curating as much as they mm -hmm. did yeah you know what i mean it was like okay it's not as hot of a property and you know when you're down 244 million dollars seven years after opening your first chain. And I think it also was, it gr just grew so fast. 1999 was the year that Keith Barish walked away from the company. Rumors say that him and Robert Earl had a falling out and neither of them are willing to discuss it. So mm, there's a I feud for you, Ryan Murphy. Oh my God, imagine. Can't wait to see Sarah Paulson as Keith Barish. In 1999, it was also the year that Planet Hollywood first declared bankruptcy. Yes, First, bankruptcy. Oh, no. I don't like where this is in going. In 2000, Arnold officially left the company and sold off his share. I'm going someplace more reasonable, like the governorship. <laughs> exactly. I can't have this Planet Hollywood on my record. I lose votes. In October 2001, Planet Hollywood declared their second bankruptcy. 1999 was the first one. So two years after, this time they said it was due to the downturn in tourism following the September 11th attacks. Now, at this point, the company was $135 million in debt in debt. Now, 
most restaurants closed. At their peak, they had 35 locations. There are only six now still in operation. As of 2022. Yes, as of 2022. There's the Las Vegas one in Caesars Palace. I, uh-huh, I yeah, see that. Yeah, there's Disney World location, which is in Disney Springs, which is like the downtown Disney, which I've been to a few times, and it's still kitschy. Opened in 1994. There's one in Disney Paris. There's one in Malta, and there's one in uh, Qatar. And the final one is actually located in Los Angeles still, in the Tom Bradley International Terminal of LAX. Oh, and and the walls have no memorabilia on them. Oh, no. Yeah. It's, I, I, the, I looked at the pictures and it's just odd and sad. But at least I can still get my Captain Crunch coated chicken. Mm. After the break, we'll tell you how that chicken was. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Do I put milk on it? Yeah, we're going to need to book a trip to Orlando. This was a thing. This was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. This November to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Get a taste of Hollywood right here in the Great Smoky Mountains with Planet Dollywood. That's right, it's a restaurant devoted to the wonderful Dolly Parton with a little Hollywood gold dust sprinkled in. And don't worry, we still got y'all's favorite stars just like the real Planet Hollywood, except ours are animatronic. Now come on, y'all, let's meet some of our stars. They have me working the front of house from 9 to 5. That's right, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But you will be shown to your seat by a real human, like I said, limited movement. Sunday brunch even gets you endless islands in the stream of mimosas, presented to you by Roseanne Barr, but served to you by a real human. I brought one mimosa for you and one for Tom. And we even have a diorama showing you how we get the meat so tender for our sloppy Jolene's. Featuring Oscar winner Sylvester Stallone back in the freezer, doing all that rocky stuff that he does in the movies. And don't worry, the meat is pre-tenderized before getting here. Pre-tenderized by a real human. And don't forget, it's almost Christmas, so we'll have an animatronic of Bruce Willis performing Hard Candy Christmas with a recording of his band, The Accelerators. It's gonna be a Hard Candy Christmas, we'll get it through tomorrow! Don't tomorrow won't let me down! And for our Hasid friends, working the Coat of Many Colors room is an animatronic of Jackie Mason. I don't understand why the coat has so many colors. Why do you need so many colors on a coat? What's wrong with black? What's wrong with brown? Why does it have to be red and green and yellow and blue and orange and yellow and... That one breaks down a lot. We even got an animatronic doing the DJ. That's right, we got Rich Little, and you never know what Rich is gonna say next. If Johnny Carson were a DJ, it'd be a little something like this. Next up is I Will Always Love You, which is uh, something that Dolly says to her support brazier. <laughs> Here we go. And to go with these fine electronics, we have a real Broadway star. That's right, it's the off-season for Mr. Nathan Lane. He goes from table to table singing and refilling your drinks. Pour yourself a cup of ambition. All right, now who had to die? Planet Dollywood, coming soon to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Thank you. This was a sketch.
Planet Hollywood isn't the restaurant juggernaut that it once was, obviously. It's still a successful brand, though. In 2007, they bought the Aladdin Casino on the Las Vegas Strip and rebranded it to the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino. I remember that. They made it flashy and sexy, and it has a concert venue that's huge, and it hosts some of the biggest acts in the world. I'm looking at you, Miss Britney Spears. They even found ways to use some of that extra memorabilia lying around. I stayed at the Planet Hollywood once, and my room was decorated with a few things from the TV show Martin. <laughs> starring Martin Lawrence. I don't remember exactly what was in the room. I just remember thinking, huh, I guess they had to do something with the stuff. <laughs> Maybe it was Martin Lawrence. Now, oddly enough, the Planet Hollywood Las Vegas restaurant is in the is in Caesar's Palace forum shops. It's not in the Planet Hollywood hmm. resort, which I don't know. It never got this moved is over. Yeah, it, that's confusing to me. They also have resorts in Goa, which is uh, southwest coast of India, Costa Rica, Cancun, and St. Martin. Although the original Planet Hollywood location in New York closed down before COVID hit, don't worry because Robert Earl has plans to bring it back, but not as grand this time. This is from an Eater article written in February 2022. Robert Earl is dropping the kitschy franchise on the fourth floor, 17,500 square foot space in Times Square at 140 West 42nd between 6th and Broadway. There will be several restaurants housed inside the building, including a 100-seat outpost with celebrity chef Guy Fieri's chicken guy on the ground level and a ghost kitchen on the third floor firing out food with Earl's docket of celebrity-backed delivery-only brands like Polly D's Italian Subs and Mr. Beast Burger from YouTube star Jimmy Donaldson. So it seems like Robert Earl's going to be just be opening like a a food court. It's, it's <laughs> a fancy food yeah, court. Yeah, a fancy food court. But I mean, you're going to get a chance to get chicken guys, Rob. Do you understand how exciting that is? That's why I moved to New York. Chicken guy. God, I love this country. Now, I feel like the days of majorly themed restaurants are kind of behind us now. I feel like that's because nowadays chefs are such celebrities that they are the theme, yeah. almost. Good like, point. you go to Vegas and you have to go to Gordon Ramsay's place. I used to go to Vegas and a couple times I liked uh, Bobby's Burger Palace. Yes. Which is a really, Bobby Flay's burger place yes. uh, in the Cosmo. And it just, it's one of Wolfgang those Wolfgang Puck. Exactly, Wolfgang Puck. Like, now people want to go to experience that celebrity's food and they can get a taste, like possibly get a taste of that celebrity as opposed to going to Planet Hollywood and possibly running into Sly. You know what I mean? At least like you're getting a Wolfgang Puck recipe, you know what I mean? While you're going there and stuff, as opposed to Arnold's mom's strudel. What is wrong with us, dude? In that same sense, Guy Fieri's restaurant in Times Square got a scathing review in 2012, and it was almost on brand with the review Planet Hollywood ended up getting from uh, the gossip colonist. But in the long run, I don't think that a lot of these restaurants are created with critics in mind now. I think that they all know that kitsch is the kitsch is for the consumer, classy is for the high brows, and Planet Hollywood was just not for the highest of brows. Speaking of brows, want to play a game? Yeah, I thought you were going to pluck my brows. What do you think the game is? Oh, no. And now, this is a game with Mark Schroeder. No, Mitt Ray, you don't have to do it because he's already got it pre-recorded. Oh, shit. Go ahead and hit it, Daniel. This was a thing, and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. Yeah. With Mark Schroeder. Now, Mark, did you ever go to any themed restaurants growing up? I went to One Planet Hollywood in uh, Manhattan. Okay. And I just remember the only thing that I j- distinctly remember was seeing Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dredd costume. Oh, that would have been what cool. They had there. That I remember cool. just thinking that's when you realize how small... Sylvester Stallone is. <laughs> oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, it's like, oh, Rocky's really tiny. 
like really tiny, like 5'9", I'm going to guess. I don't know, really small, according to this costume in a case that I saw. Uh, I mean, I love Planet Hollywood. I really loved watching the props because I'm a big movie guy. Yes. Uh, from those big Hollywood blocks. They hang them right next to tell you exactly. They have like a little plaque that always tells you what the movie that it is is, is from. Uh, it's very helpful. But I wonder, Rob, Ray, would you be able to tell the movie by just the prop if they didn't have the placard there for Maybe. you? Maybe. Okay. I wonder. So we're going to find out today with a little game called Memorabilia Mix-Up. Oh, my oh. gosh. So here's the scenario. The prop truck flipped over on the way to the latest Planet Hollywood location, and all of the movie nice. props have been mixed up. But I'm confident that Rob and Ray can match the props to the correct movie, because in this game, you're going to be competing against each other. Taking turns, I'm going to give you each three props from a real film, and then you have to use your film buff knowledge to correctly guess the movie that they are from. Okay. So I'm going to list the props. You name the movie. Uh, each person will get five movies to guess the the one who guesses the most right. You're the new manager of the Granada Hills Planet Hollywood. Congratulations. Congratulations. Okay. Yeah. So here we go. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Yeah, you time. go first. I go first. Rob, mm -hmm. your first movie, A Bicycle, Chrysanthemums, Reese's Pieces. E.T. That is correct. It's the Chrysanthemums. <laughs> Number two, a town miniature, shrimp cocktail, a handbook for the recently deceased. Beetlejuice. That is correct. Number three, night vision goggles, a cane, a Barbasol can. Um, uh, Clockwork Orange. That is incorrect. No, I know this one. Number four, Paul Allen's business card, an axe, a Huey Lewis CD. Oh, American Psycho. That is correct. And lastly, an alarm clock, a microphone, an ice sculpture of an angel. Groundhog Day. That is correct. Wow. You are four for five. Congratulations. Thank you. Raymond. Let's go. Everybody loves you. <laughs> I don't know about that. Your props. Here we go. A fax machine, a coffee mug, a red stapler. Uh, that would be office space. That is correct. A sledgehammer, a novel, a wheelchair. Uh, misery. That is correct. Roses, a plastic bag, a camcorder. Uh, American Beauty. That is correct. An inflatable doll, black coffee, a headset. Freddy got fingered. That is incorrect. A badge, chopsticks, an origami unicorn. Oh, God, I pass. It was Blade Runner. Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Was the oh. one. Airplane was Airplane, the yes. doll. Uh, Black coffee in the headset. Uh, that was three correct, Ray. Rob, you are the victor of that game yes. with four correct. Uh, but either way, you know, you're going to be the manager. What position would you put Ray in? What's he working at the Planet Hollywood in Granada Hills? You look like you'd be really good at popcorn making. Popcorn making? Yeah. You don't serve popcorn? Yeah, you look like you would serve popcorn this really well. This is a well. movie theater. Well, it is a movie theater, right? It's Planet, Planet Hollywood. Hollywood. The thing you just did a whole show Did about. you fucking pay attention at all to the episode? I thought it was a movie theater. Did you make a reservation oh at Planet God. Hollywood and you go in and expecting to watch a movie and eat popcorn? Yeah, I just thought the screen was broken or something. Ugh. Or like it was like a 3D thing. Do you think the wait waiter or waitress is a movie? I thought so. Oh, you, this man's insane. And it got really good because like after we left the restaurant and I followed her home, it turned into like a thriller. Oh my God. It was scary. You stalked someone? Mm -mm. I just watched the movie. I think you're incriminating yourself, buddy. I don't think anyway, so. Anyway, if you, uh, if you if worked you at the Granada Hills <laughs> Planet Hollywood, <laughs> you want to report a crime. Rob, uh, <laughs> go ahead and head over on over to our Instagram. Identify him there. Or to the website, thisWasAThing.com. ThisWasAThing.com. Or Patreon.com slash ThisWasAThing. Go ahead and... $5 a month, old Lucy level, gets you so much exclusive content. I mean, it's like, whoa. I mean, you guys aren't going to know what to do with it. You are going to get front row seats to IMAX Planet Hollywood. 
this guy does not pay attention to a goddamn thing. Oh my god, Ron, I listen. I'm so tired of this bullshit. <laughs> Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut-Cut Schwartzberg. Our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese. Our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford. Our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia. And finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was a Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was a Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really like what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors, and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was a Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 